Welcome to another edition of the Late to Grid podcast. This is your host, Bill Snow, and I am in the Atomic Autosports studio. And I have a very exciting guest with us, Jason Pribble, just 17 years old, our second youngest guest. We're going to get to Jason in a minute. But if this is the first time that you are checking in on the podcast, thanks so much for listening. And if you're a longtime listener, I appreciate the support. This is the podcast where we talk road racing, autocross, HPDE, track days, whether you're just getting into it or you're looking to get your motorsports journey to the next level, we have the guests that tell the stories and inspiration of their journey to help you uh, with your on-track activities. And Jason has been um, started off in carts, has done some open wheel, has done some fendered car racing, road racing. So this is going to be a great episode to hear about his progression and then where he's taken his career. So Jason, thanks so much for being with me on the episode. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so tell listeners a little bit more about who you are um, and how you got started in motorsports and racing. Yeah. So as you know, my name is Jason Pribble. Uh, I've been racing for probably a little over a decade now, I think 12 years to be exact. Um, started when I was six in karting. I'm a first generation driver. Um, as At this point, I've driven just about everything that a 17-year-old can drive. Uh, so as um, Bill said, we've got open wheel cars, lots of, um, lots of everything pretty much. And I started car racing about three years ago. Uh, started out in the Lucas Oil School of Racing. Uh, they taught me a lot and brought me up to where I am now. And uh, I think that's that does it. So how does a first generation racer get into a cart at six years old? How'd that all come together? Um, well, my dad's always been somewhat of an auto geek. Uh, he builds a lot of his own stuff. He, he had a Volkswagen bus that he worked on. Actually, we still have it. Um, but when I came around, I loved sports. I loved, I think I played football, hockey, you know, soccer, baseball, everything that I could play. And my dad, he really likes computers. Um, and he wasn't much of an athlete. So he, he wanted to find a way to connect with me. He's thinking to himself, just like, oh man, how, how am I going to connect with this kid? And um, he, he thought about uh, motocross at first a little bit. Um, couldn't really find many tracks around us. And uh, then he found Road America, about a two and a half hour drive at the time. And um, posted in a Facebook group asking if anyone was willing to rent out a cart just to give me a try in it. And um, I started spinning out within the first few laps. So <laughs> he realized that I wasn't too afraid of the speed. And that's the, <laughs> the story continues. Wow. And so tell, do you even remember being in that cart at six years old, giving that a try? Um, you know, I think little snippets here and there. I can't remember what's real and what's not. Um, mm -hmm. I know there's a few pictures of me uh, up on Facebook. I see those every now and again. I definitely recall some of those moments. Um, there was one time, the second to last corner of the kid cart track at Road America, I do remember just flooring it and spinning it out as fast as I could. <laughs> yeah, I saw a couple pictures of you in your kid cart with the little Comer 50 on there. Um, where did you then advance through karting? What was the next? Did you move into cadet after that? Um, I don't believe when I was karting, cadet was a thing. Um, okay. it was back, I think they did have like the smaller carts. Um, sportsman is what at least I called it. Um, I did all four cycle racing throughout my career. I think the only 
two strokes I've driven is I think my friend's Yamaha once maybe seven years ago and then since then nothing um but yeah so I progressed up to uh 206 Sportsman uh the L206 class which is still on a big roll lately um did a lot of club racing at Concept Haulers Motor Speedway in Joliet Illinois and um super technical track it got me a lot of experience um and yeah hmm did you race at Badger too yeah, yeah. I did two okay. races at Badger when I was in kid carts, and then uh, I think I did a full season at club uh, in one of my years of sportsman as well. Yeah, yeah. I saw some some references to that. And uh, folks, at, at at the end of the show, uh, we'll talk a little bit more how to get in touch with Jason. But we're gonna have links to all of his social platforms. He's got a great website that shows a lot about his racing history. And you know, if you're if you're listening and you're wondering how to get your kids into motorsports. I think if you go back and read a lot of, of the information on his website, it's going to give you some great advice. So, so how many total years did you cart? Uh, this is a bit of a fuzzy number. Uh, I think I remember I I've stopped racing carts. Now, uh, we spent a little bit more focus on cars, I think for the past two years. So I probably raced carts for about 10 years and then moved into cars full time for the past two years. All right. And was your dad always along for the ride saying, okay, let's take it to the next level. Let's get this, you know, you're doing well. Let's take this next step. Or did you have to drag him along? Much like me, we're both very, very indecisive people. Uh, so I think both of us actually struggled to move along. Um, it was, um, I forget. It was one of my friends who convinced my dad to get me into the first race in a car. Um, I was 13 when I got into the Lucas Oil cars, so I was pretty young, um, but everyone around me had been getting into those as well, so we figured if they can do it, I can do it, so um, there was that, but we've always, you know, just worked in a pair, him and I, uh, mm-hmm. we never made too many big steps, we didn't uh, didn't have the really, the knowledge to make those big jumps, so we definitely went inch by inch. And was he a carding dad? No, no, he he actively tried so much to, you know, he said it out loud all the time, just, I'm not going to be a carding dad, I'm not going to be a carding dad. Um, you know, he was relatively, you know, he just wanted to make sure I was having fun, is really what it is, and now he's taught me to, he's taught me to rely on this sport way too much now that there's no, <laughs> there's no way I couldn't have fun. Yeah. So when you uh, first got into car racing, what was your first car that you raced? Uh, the first car that I raced was F1600. Um, it's the, the Miguel Honda with Rice Race, uh, Rice Race Prep. Um, that was in 2020, October of 2020. Um, and no, it was 2019. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was my freshman year That's that I remember. Um, so I got into that super, super fun car. It's great racing still. The series has gotten a little bit less publicity um, than most, um, but I think they're working on it. It's really yeah, great racing. It teaches people everything you need to know about racing. Uh, you know, they have the, you know, it's a formula car, but it's got an H pattern shifter. You know, um, no arrow, no wings and stuff like that. So you can't take one off. It's good, good for the budget for the most part in terms of formula car racing. And, um, 
you know, they're just super fun cars to drive. And the transition for me from carts to cars wasn't terrible. Uh, the highest I finished was second in class, um, but I didn't fit too much or too well in the car. I was I'm a little bit big for those things. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. And what tracks did you race at in F1600? Um, I only did one one race at the end of the season. Um, it was at Pittsburgh International Race Complex. That's mm-hmm. a lovely track. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's I'm about an hour and a half from there, so we we get out there quite a bit. I envy you. Yeah, I never yeah. had much luck in carts there, um, but in cars, it was just such a fun thing to do. Yeah, it 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 did it, it, and you haven't been there since 2019. Um. As far as I can remember, yeah, I don't think I went back. Yeah, because it was about two weeks I was there in a cart, and that night on like a Saturday night or something, my dad, my friend's dad, you know, convinced him to, hey, there's an open seat over here because he was racing an FRP and F2000, and he said, well, there's an F1600 seat available, you should take it before it goes, you know, and yeah. uh, that kicked off my career. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I actually haven't been back there, even, even since then, there's been a couple more improvements to the facility. Um, yeah. They just continue to invest and make, make pit race a great destination for, for pretty much anything motorsports. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to what they have to come. I think uh, it can easily be an A-list track, you know, um, something I know, I think back when the owners, um, I think they talked about wanting to make it like a pristine facility, but not be professional, um, mm-hmm. just cause like logistical stuff and whatnot. But I really wish, I really hope that they do one day. Cause that is, that would be great racing to watch. Right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from Michael Rebus at ETC coaching. All right. It's time to chat with Michael Rebus of ETC coaching. And on this week's coaching tip. We talk about relationship coaching and relationships are everywhere in our lives, both in business, in our personal life and in our motorsports life. So Michael, what are the top three benefits of relationship coaching? Great question. And you know, the way you brought that subject up, I really appreciate it. It's so true. Relationships, you know, business relationships, you know, with our friends, with our, our, our close loved ones are so important. Improved communication. Really, if we can't communicate in a meaningful way, we're just leaving a lot on the table and we're not getting what people need from us, then they're not getting what you know, they need. So greater communication, greater understanding, really coming to know where the other person is coming from through that communication, which a lot of times is listening, can make all the difference. Just, you know, you're picking up a small gain in that area can have huge and lasting benefits to both people or all people. And finally, increased self-awareness, kind of finding out where we're missing a little bit, where we can be better for ourselves and better for others. You know, everything really in this life, everything we talk about, relations is at the bottom of all of it. So uh, great questions, Bill. Thank you. Yeah. And folks, listen, uh, personal perspective here in my coaching relationship with Michael, uh, that's one of the things that he and I actually worked on. So I have a lot of big business goals and I try to get as much done as I can each and every day. And I realized uh, the personal relationships were taking a back seat. And Michael and I worked on that. And now it's at the forefront so that not only can I kill my business goals and knock it out of the park, but I can also make sure that I'm growing my relationships with my friends and family. So Michael, if someone wants to learn more about your services and maybe even talk to you about some relationship coaching, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, you can 
find me on LinkedIn at Michael Rebus for um, C Transition Coaching. Uh, there'll be some links in the show notes for more information there. Awesome. Thanks, Michael. All right. Well, we're back with Jason Pribble, and um, we just finished up talking about your first foray into road racing in an open wheel car. Uh, but so let's jump ahead a little bit. Let's talk about last season, 2022. Uh, what kind of stuff were you doing? What were you racing? Where were you racing? Uh, so the season started off uh, doing the new uh, Road to Indy, which is now the USF Pro Championships series. It is the um, USF Juniors in the F4 cars. We started off testing in January. Uh, we were moving forward. Um, I had a good amount of seat time in the car. felt good. Um, come race weekend, didn't end up happening to reasons that I don't think I'm prepared to discuss just yet, but uh, we'll move along. Weekend after, we got into Miata with Advanced Autosport, and uh, that kind of took us to the rest of the season where we raced in the Spec MX-5 Challenge, which is basically a feeder series for the MX-5 Cup, which is at Daytona this weekend. Right. What do you think about driving a Miata, racing a Miata? It's real difference. Um, I think if I had the chance to do it over again, I would race a season in Spec Miata and then go to Spec MX-5. Um, I don't think... I think I, I would want to continue Formula Cars, but um, the racing in Spec MX-5 is on another level in terms of just the style. Because at that point, I was used to Formula Cars and... Um, the strategy is all different and i think a lot of those guys practice in the, the spec miatas quite a bit and they go out and they do exactly the same thing in the spec mx5 and uh i think that was the biggest thing i just wasn't as prepared for the uh spec mx5 but i love those cars they're a uh, pleasure to drive I, I ran with advanced autosports and formidable race development for um two teams we tossed around uh, Runcraft motorworks owned the car you know, there's a lot of names going on. It was a, yeah. it was an interesting season, um, but yeah, no, the the those cars and the series, uh, a pleasure to be with the people that run, and um, yeah, it was, it was great. So let's just say, let's take pit race for example. Let's say you took that um, spec MX5 and you took your F1600 that you you drove. How do you? What's the difference in driving those? Um, you know, I'm sure there's there's a power to rate difference, and you're probably going to have some different braking points. But what else do you notice that's different between the two different platforms? Uh, I think first and foremost, um, the tires are a big difference. Um, Toyo, you know, comes across with a really really great plan for the MS the Spec MX-5 cars, which is it's a a relatively hard compound, but uh, you have to remember that these are production cars. So they're not really meant to take that strong of force, like right around the, along those joint points in the suspension. Um, so the tires are relatively slick, actually. Um, they they can last 12 heat cycles or so, uh, mm -hmm. compared to the F1600, which has pretty good tires. You'll go through probably two, three sets a weekend. Uh, the other thing, body roll, huge thing to get used to. Um, you turn in, and then the car turns in a second later. That's something you you got to learn, and it's not muscle memory, but you just don't learn it on the spot. Right. What do you enjoy? You enjoy the open wheel cars more, right? Yeah, I yeah. I think most people would 
you know, given the chance to get into an open wheel car, they'd probably want to go back for a second time. It's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a really nice feeling. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we talked about, uh, the road to Indy, the Miata that you were in last year, any other on track activities for you last year? Um, we hopped into the spec racer Ford at the end of the season in October, uh, about two weeks before I went to another event in the USF 2000. Um, but in the SRF three at Blackhawk farms, which is what I considered my home track at this point, I've got probably about 10,000 miles on that track at this point. <laughs> um, that was a blast. This is the first time I ever drove in those things. And it's actually surprisingly similar to the F 1600. Um, power to weight ratio, a little bit smaller. Um, the F1600 only has four gears, the SRF3, the H pattern has five, the, uh, sequential has six, I'm pretty sure. Um, I was driving an H pattern though, so it was, it was a good, good experience, something I knew for the, for the entire season. Um, but yeah, those things are a blast. The racing is amazing. Um. It felt very comfortable in those cars. It was with Elite Autosport. Okay. So what advice would you give somebody who, you know, is listening to you and they're saying, man, that's what I want to do. I want to get on track. I want to kind of advance. I want to get some open wheel stuff. What would you recommend them to go and do? Assume they've done nothing. Assuming they've done nothing, uh, like, I, I can't stress this enough. Karting is the first place you go to i mean whether it's k1 or like a club rental carts anything uh you have to get yourself into a vehicle that is meant to drive like a race car um now karting obviously doesn't directly translate to cars the braking is different power is different all sorts of things um you learn racecraft and karting you learn you know braking points how engines and just race cars in general work um, that kind of stuff is just huge when it comes to, uh, like introducing yourself into racing. Um, if you don't have the time incentive or any other excuse for not karting, um, but you still want to get yourself onto a track, there are track days. Um, I've done them myself. It's great time, great way to get track time. There's cars out on the track. Um, the events are well run, uh, but, you know, just work yourself up to pace if you're just, you know, starting in a car without karting before. Good advice. So what you been up to this offseason? Um, well, it's been... I, I wish I could say it was busy. We're uh, in the process of looking to build this the 2023 season. Um, unfortunately, no news on that yet. In the meantime, though, I, I just built myself a sim rig over there that I was planning on doing the interview on but uh didn't work out (laughs) um but yeah so i've been doing some sim racing just last weekend i did the 24 hours daytona and i racing which um if i had to do it again i'd do it with four drivers instead of three that was oh no kidding that was rough but um yeah it's something i love to do um you know it's it doesn't perfectly capture it but you know racing is racing in my eyes yeah so it I'm glad you brought that up, that 24-hour sim race. So how do you do the driver change? Um, iRacing makes it super easy. Uh, you know, you get into the pit lane, and there's two options. You can either leave the car yourself, which you... 
at least the default is to hold escape or if you have a button bound on your steering wheel and just hold it and it gets you out of the car and then you just spam click as fast as possible whoever's getting in and then they get into the car um iRacing made an update so the driver changes take about as long as the tire change does um but it's relatively smooth at least a little bit easier than real life yeah that sounds cool i'm gonna have to look into that next season yeah i'm next yeah, for sure, next season. Yeah, I, um, I stream, or I'm planning on streaming. My other teammates that we're running with, they've been streaming. Um, I'm still working on it. I'm waiting on a capture card. Um, yeah. But we're planning on doing more sim races just throughout the season. It's, we realized it's actually really, really fun. So yeah, uh, hoping so, to do Bathurst and all that. Oh, okay. Uh, when you guys set up a race or a practice, what do you normally do? What track, what car? Um, we usually, I think sim races, like the big ones that we plan on doing are, um, like probably about once a month and we'll practice about two weeks in advance, depending on the size of the race. Uh, you know, if it's a six hour race, you don't need as much, maybe 24 hour races, the big ones, you, you don't want it to all go to waste. So we put quite a bit of time and quite a bit of effort. Um, when we're not preparing for a race, uh, usually we'll just hop on a call and, do just the weekly iRacing races, uh, Ferrari okay. or IMSA challenge, stuff like that. Fun. Well, you, you kind of hit on it that you're, you're working to build 2023. Nope. And no plans yet. Nothing to announce, right? Yeah. Nothing, nothing yet. All right. Well, so I have a question about that. So how does, how does Jason or somebody like Jason go about trying to secure a ride, trying to figure out you know, what do I want to do? What series do I want to run? You know, do you have a plan A, plan B, plan C? How's yeah. All come together? We've got many, many plans. Uh, it starts the year before uh, talking to all these teams, just making these connections. You know, you see them at the track at any point and you can just say hi to them and uh, they'll remember you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't always mean everything will come to fruition, but, you know, just making that contact is necessary. Um, on the money side of things, uh, there's a lot of different routes to go along. Um, I haven't found the right one yet. It's hard to really find which one's the right one because the people who found it aren't going to tell you. Um, but as of now, like we, uh, we try to feel that, um, B2B stuff, um, doing business at the track is one of the most effective way to, ways to acquire sponsors and acquire money. You know, a lot of previous guests have talked about the importance of networking and getting to know people and making connections, and I'm sure that's something that you found to be helpful, too, as you're navigating this. Extremely, yeah. Um, when I first started out in karting, obviously I knew nobody, um, and, uh, you know, I, I was a super energetic and talkative person at the track, and which really helped me out in the long run, because... Uh, there's there's quite a few people that know my name nowadays, at least um, in the karting world. Um, for example, Rob Howden, he started um, e-karting news with Cole um, pretty early on when I started racing. And with the formerly 206 Cup, now Cup Karts in North America, uh, he kind of built up his um, his business. And, you know, we still talk to each other all the time. We're pretty good friends. Um, and it's stuff like that, small things. You never know what's going to come around in your life and you never know what's going to come around in other people's lives. So just, you know, talking to everybody, just be friends with everybody is really the important part. 
and you can live your whole life like that and it works out too that is great advice jason from a young man i love it talk with everyone and be nice to everyone so do you have um you know, do you have a production race car sitting around, like an old Miata or an old Honda Civic that you could go and do NASA or SCCA? Um, my dad and I have kind of avoided owning race cars. Uh, <laughs> it's never been something we've prepared for. Uh, nothing I think we're going to plan on doing anytime soon. But uh, you know, when it comes with the networking thing, we, we do have quite a few friends that would be willing to, you know, lend out a track day or something like that. That's something that comes along with both the experience and performance that you put out in front of people. Yeah. I think you guys are smart for not wanting to own a race car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the things I, the things I've seen people do just to get me onto the track, you know, I wouldn't want to have to do that. So <laughs> I'm fine. Just, yeah. You know, rent it, leave the weekend. It's not your problem anymore. <laughs> See, uh, so earlier we went to a commercial with Michael Rebus, and Michael is a coach of mine. He helps me in business and helps me in life. And um, we hooked up about nine months ago, and he says, Bill, so I'm building an RX-7 um, that I plan to run e-production SCCA. And um, he's like, why are you building this? Why are you spending the time? You got to be doing arriving drives. Just, you know, do your stuff during the week, show up, run the race, say thank you, and go home. Uh so I think uh, you and your dad are a little smarter than me in that in that regard. But I do, like many of our listeners, I enjoy the process. It's nice to be able to unwind a little bit, put some music on, just be by yourself in the garage, you know, putting something together. And I'm sure there'll be a satisfaction once I make those first laps. And and actually, there's a connection there to another sponsor we have, which is LMS EFI. I'm actually, Saturday, the car's getting loaded up and going down to him to get... Uh, wired and tuned so, yeah we'll see um you mentioned wrl i think you actually mentioned it before we we hit the record button um do you have any any plans to, you know do any champ car or lemons or wrl this season um so one of my passions has always been endurance racing um when i was doing karting and sprint karting and stuff like that i also had a road racing kart um, so this is where like my experience on the big tracks, this is why I said I had so much time at Blackhawk is because I've been running that track since I was seven years old. Um, I've been running at uh, Pitt um, for a while as well, Mid-Ohio, places like that. So I've got a lot of experience on those. Um, but yeah, endurance racing is just, it's one of the most beautiful things in, in racing, in, in my opinion, at least. Um, and, you know, we're really hoping that we can get that it's a really cost-effective way to get track time and a lot of it too. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's just a very glorifying, like, it, it's just, it's just very nice when the race is over, you've put so much effort into it and it turns out really well. Um, I mean, the longest endurance race I've done is two hours. Um, it was by myself. I didn't, and didn't have a teammate. I don't think anyone did in that race. Um, but yeah, we've been planning on doing some WRL stuff um still picking and choosing teams talking to people that we know and getting advice stuff like that managing checkbooks things like that <laughs> that's a big part of it yeah well jason we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna hear from matt at atomic autosports who has a tech tip for us this week all right it's time again to check in with show sponsor atomic autosports and matt is here again 
to answer some questions that we get from time to time. And a question that comes up all the time, Matt, is I'm going to a track day. What do I need to pack in terms of tools? You know, do I take my whole toolbox? Do I just take a screwdriver? What advice do you have for folks going to a track day and what tools to bring? Well, Bill, that can be a very complicated answer. As a, as a technician, I like to, you know, it's better to have it, not need it, than to need it, not have it. If you're a Volkswagen owner, you're going to need everything from a scanner to a whole new car. <laughs> um, but me personally, you know, you go to AutoZone, Harbor Freight, any, you know, tool, any place that sells tools, you can get a nice little tool kit, you know, that has sockets, wrenches, uh, screwdriver kit, you know, and then obviously anything special that your car may need. You know, some cars, they have special sockets, torques, anything like that. Um, just stuff to carry in a, in a little go bag. So in case you need it, you can use it. Um, anything else? Um, jacks, cordless tools, jack stands. How about a smile? Yeah. Yeah, I guess the most important tool in your tool bag to go to uh, the track is probably a, a smile. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a jack, you know, if you're going with friends, so you, maybe you can coordinate somebody bring other uh, jack and jack stands. Somebody can coordinate bringing hand tools. Um, if you if you have cordless tools available to you, they make the job a lot easier. Uh, the whole goal is to not have to work on the car at the track, but unfortunately it happens. Yep. Like you said, better to have them and not need them. Well, Matt, thanks very much. If folks want to learn more about Atomic Autosports and how Atomic can get their car ready for the track, what's the best way to learn more? Uh, best way to learn more about the team and what we offer here at Atomic Autosports is to reach us at AtomicAutosports.com. Thanks, Matt. Of course. All right, we are back with Jason Pribble. We were just talking a little endurance racing. Let's continue that. Jason, we may have something for you later this year. So um, we have two Dodge Neons that we're building uh, for endurance racing. We had one last year that we endurance race. Actually, um, it's uh, it's raced at Pit Race, and um, then we decided why not pick up a second car. I say we. It's it's we got a whole team of folks. And so we have a second Neon that's, uh, they're both getting refreshed engines and, uh, and they're going to be ready to go. Those things are a blast to drive. So it's, it's an October champ car goes to pit race in October. So as we're putting together the driver lineup, I'll reach out to you and see if there's interest there. Yeah, there might just be, I've heard, I've heard great things about the Neon. I haven't driven one, but I, I knew <laughs> I do know that it was at once a very close competitor with the spec Miata at one point. Yeah, it it is a blast to drive. You'll hang that rear end out, and you know guys will you know after the race tell you, man, you had three inches on that on that <laughs> rear wheel lift. And yeah. um, we were playing with sway bars last season. We had some front wheel lift as we were experimenting with some things. It's um, it's just one of those cars. It because it's not high horsepower. It, it kind of fun to drive because you got to drive it differently to keep the momentum and um <laughs> i'll tell you a quick story first time we had it on track after we got it, it was just a private we were able to tag along with some folks that had a private uh test day at mid-ohio and um there was um a michelin pilot uh porsche there shelby gt500 was there a couple of their bmws and i unload this neon you would have thought it was a Formula One car. Everyone's, oh my gosh, let me see this. What's that? Let me. Wow, that looked fun out there. Um, so yeah, there's a like this little cult following on these things. People like to talk about them. Yeah, I mean, if the car's fun to drive, it's fun to drive, right? Yeah. Hey, just being on track is fun, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we're gonna be keeping tabs on on you and your season, and you know, hopefully, you can get uh, get some endurance racing in, and maybe we'll see it at some of the 
some of the racing we'll be doing. Yeah. Um, if someone's looking for resources on how to read up on racing, how to be a better driver, um, what are some of the resources that you might use and recommend? Um, yeah, I mean, so for starters, um, there's, sorry, one second, I'm, I'm pulling up one of my resources right now. Um, there's this book called Get Paid to Race, uh, by Jess Shanahan. Um, I've glanced through it. My dad has read it time and time again. Um, I mean, I, I can't say it's stereotypical of me as the driver to not read something like that, but a little bit. Um, but yeah, so that I've heard is a very, very good book. Um, just great information. Uh, you, you can read up just looking up different um, sponsor methods and stuff as well. Um, you'd be surprised, like NASCAR, things like that. There's you know plenty of you know ways to get money in this world, um, and you know there's a lot of people that like racing, so. You don't have to look yeah. too far. No. Um, well, I do have a final question for you. Actually, a, a couple. Actually, now I think about it, I got one or two more questions. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to cover? Oh, boy. There's always something to talk about, isn't there? <laughs> um, as far as I know, I'm sure I'll think of something after this, but... Uh, as far as I can tell now, I don't think there's anything we missed. I think we covered some good ground. Awesome. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, how do people follow you? What's the prefer- Although we're going to have links to everything in the show notes, so folks can just click on it and instantly get to you. If there's one or two of those platforms, which ones are you most active on? Um, I definitely recommend checking out our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got great onboards. Um, uh, we got the Spec MX-5 stuff. There's, you know, USF 2000, just a couple laps here and there. Um, you know, I'm hoping to end up doing a little more, like, walkthroughs of some laps and things like that. I haven't gotten around to it just yet, but I think it'll enhance a little bit. Um, and I'd say probably just our Instagram accounts. We've got two. There's my personal account, which is... Um, it's at jason.pribble, and then there's the other one, which is Jason Pribble Autosports. Um, you get a bit of an inside look on things, you know, a more consistent update. We have a website as well, but that only updates, you know, after a couple days after the weekend, once we've mm-hmm. pulled down. Yeah. Um, before I get to my final question, so how has using social media and the website, how has that helped either attract sponsors or partners or people to support you? Uh, one of the biggest things, <clears throat> sorry. One of the biggest things uh, we realized is um, contacting the series that you're going to race with, um, especially if they're a bigger series. Uh, I know we've contacted uh, USF Pro Championships for their statistics and um, the spec, uh, MX-5 Cup and Spec MX-5 Challenge, stuff like that. Um, you know, they do a lot of stuff on YouTube, Instagram, and those kinds of numbers look amazing uh, when they send them to you. And they're yeah. really, really attractive to people that are looking at it, sponsors and things like that. Um, as far as like on a personal level, um, you know, our YouTube channel gets people a better look at what I actually do. Um, back when I raced carts, it was hard to explain to people like, you know, oh, I race go-karts. Um, I'm sure a lot of kart racers can sympathize with this one. It's just like, oh, okay, you race K1 or something like that. 
but then you get to show them what you actually do, and it's it's a, a bit of a relief, a bit of a uh, like a, a just a nice moment. Um, and then our Instagram as well, you get to communicate with people. Um, uh, you know, I get DMs from time to time, and I love talking to um, anyone who contacts me, and just uh, you get to chat with somebody who knows a bit about racing, and I, th- I think I think that's cool. It is. I just realized we didn't talk about where you want to go long term. Oh, so let's yeah. let's fast forward. You know, twenty twenty three comes together, twenty twenty four comes together. You're rocking, you're rolling. What's your desired end state? You know, what are you doing? Where are you racing? That sort of thing. Yeah. So one of my sayings, I think, um, I've always struggled to find out where I want to be in the racing world, um, just because I never know where I'm going to end up. So that hypothetical question never comes to my mind um but my biggest thing has always been uh that i want to make a living out of racing um the best thing i can do for myself is um you know just be around racing as much as possible um now if we're looking into just the like where i want to be i'd love to race at the 24 hours of le mans and uh, i'd like to someday be in indycar Uh, i think those two series are competitive respected and uh, the cars look like a blaster drive. Yeah, that's great. Well, I do wish you well on that that journey, that goal of getting the 24 hours and getting to uh, getting the IndyCar. Um, you know, at, at 17 years old, you've already had some great experiences that are stepping stones along the journey that ultimately could lead to racing in France and racing in the IndyCar series. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm looking so, forward to it. <laughs> yeah, we've come to the final question. And um, looking for honesty here. Have you ever been late to grid? So I, I like to uh, advertise, I guess. I don't really advertise it, but I, I do love being one of the first people to grid. Um, and I never like to be late to the grid. But there is one time. <laughs> Uh, just yeah. one time in all my 12 years of racing, uh, just because of a miscommunication, I um, I missed a qualifying session in karting. Um, it was when I was racing two karts. I was racing LO206 and Animal, and um, we had some carb issues on the Animal, and it looked like the cart wasn't going to be ready. So my dad said, all right, you can go play with your friends, because I was like 10, <laughs> and I left, and then all of a sudden I look from my friend's trailer, and I see my cart just sitting there on the grid. And I ran over, and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and my dad just put my helmet on me, <laughs> and I went out. And um, that's, I think, really the only time, at least by my own volition, that I was late to the grid. Uh, yep, that's a good story. But at least you got on track. You remember how you qualified? Not at all, but I do know that I won that championship. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Jason, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, I hope we can keep in touch as, as you progress. Uh, we'll catch up with you every once in a while, and uh, you know, be sure and send us updates as things are moving along. But thanks for being a guest on the Late to Grid podcast. Yeah, once again, thank you for having me. It's been a blast talking to you. I look forward to talking to you some more. I want to thank Jason for being on the show. I am really impressed with his maturity, his background, his focus. Uh, you, you heard him say it, folks. You know, he, he wants to make a living out of racing. 
He knows where he wants to go. He talked about networking, being at the track, the beautiful advice he shared. Talk with everyone and be nice to everyone. Man, imagine how nice the world would be if we all did that. Um, no, we're going to keep in touch with him. I really hope that our paths cross again at a racetrack and um, wish him all the best in his racing journey. Hey, another big thank you to uh, Matt and the guys at Atomic Autosports, Michael Rebus at ETC Coaching, and Chris at LMS EFI. I am taking a road trip this weekend, delivering the RX-7 to Chris so he can work his magic, get that car dialed in, and I can get it on track. Very excited about that. So, hey, I want to thank you so much for listening. If you have an opportunity and you can leave a review where you are listening to this, it helps. And how it helps is that it shows our show to more people. And the whole goal of the show is to get more folks involved in grassroots racing and get them on track. So that way you have more people to have fun with while you're at the track. If you haven't already, tell a friend. And I got a little advice for you. Don't be late to grid. <laughs>